0: Thanks again for listening to the Park Hills podcast. If you want more information on the things that we're doing, go to parkhillschurch.com or the Park Hills Church app. We're we're running into Mark 14 today. Let me read a couple verses and then Pastor Rich and I are going to dive into it. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, why was the ointment wasted like this? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor and they scolded her. But Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. There's so much in those couple of verses to dive into. And Pastor Rich, good job on the sermon. Thanks. Well done working through a fun concept and a really difficult overall thing. But you noticed a couple of things here that need to probably be talked about. And so- here they are, spilling yeah. over to the podcast.
1: Yeah, Mark is, a, is masterful at dropping just a few words, and all of a sudden you start to dig into it, and it just kind of blows your mind. And I've, every yeah. once in a while I'm like going, wow, how did he pack all that in? You know. Yeah. Luke, it takes him forever. Mark, he just gets right to it. <laughs> is that wrong?
0: Straight to the point. All that, right. That's why I think it's Peter giving John Mark what he needs to do this. And Luke is clearly Paul, the guy who makes people fall asleep and fall out the window because he's so long-winded. True.
1: Until we've done that in our services, we truly, we really have not hit the pinnacle of right. our careers, right? If
0: anybody says I go long, I've not yet made someone fall out of the window and die, and I had to pray for them to come back to life. So I've got a long ways to go.
1: Exactly. We're good. We are good. The, star, the stars are, are the goal. Sky's the limit. Yeah, so one of the things as we were um, going through the passage here and getting ready for the message, well, it, it struck me as like, why were the disciples, um, those were there... Indignant. Yeah. You know, why would they be indignant? And a couple things happened. One, I thought through, okay, this is a woman who seems to be crashing a banquet. And typically this was a guy's only kind of an event unless she was a servant. And if she was a servant, why did she feel like she should, you know, be pouring oil on top of Jesus? By the way, that would be kind of interesting. You're sitting there and all of a sudden someone starts to pour oil on you and you don't, like, flip out. It's a wild story. It is. It is. And so, all of a sudden, but they get indignant and and Jesus has to ref, basically reel them back in and say, no, 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 what she's doing is is beautiful
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it's and I'm all I'm supporting this and i'm and and I'm supporting what who she is, even there's no pushback at all. Um, and one of the areas I, I that made good sense to me, why they could be indignant is just a few days before they're sitting at temple and they're watching this uh, widow, this yep. older woman come in. And throw in two like just teeny coins. Yeah. And he says, this is her giving all that she has and her gift just shows her heart and just blows away the gifts that compared to what the, the wealthy people are doing. And I could see them going, uh Jesus, you know, you're just all about like yeah. really honoring this. She just wasted a year's worth of wages, the equivalent of just by pouring it on your head. yeah, We could have done so much more with, than this. Mm-hmm. And I can see them in their head going, trying to figure this out. And yet he pulls them together and says, hang on, let me explain something that's going on, right? So even Mark, just drawing these two together is really informative on maybe how we should be looking at both wealth, um, how we value gifts to God, and, and how he looks at some of these things.
0: Yeah, I think that's huge. And I think just even the comparison of those two people. So this is clearly a woman with means. You don't have a 300 denarii jar of, of ointment. And that's just what they're saying they could sell it for, right? So mm-hmm. who knows how much she paid for it the first time. Right. It, it, this could be 500 denarii worth and it's used now. So it's only 300 on eBay or whatever, uh, right? But there's this idea that it's, mm-hmm. it's so expensive. You could be using it for so many other things. And you might be, going back to your point, they might be looking back at that, that woman a couple days ago going, we learned a lesson there, mm-hmm. that it really matters what we use these things for. So we're trying to pull that into this. We've learned a lesson, Jesus. Aren't we doing well? Look at what we're paying attention to. It's all the right details. And this time Jesus is like, no, you totally missed it. You've missed the whole point. You're, you're out of it altogether. Now, what's interesting, in, in a, uh, this woman in John is Mary Magdalene. Sorry, not Mary Magdalene. Mary, the mother of, of Lazarus, which there, I will say, there is some debate as to whether that actually is Mary Magdalene. Now, the, where this all gets weird is there's also that woman, remember in Luke, when we had that woman, she went to Simon's house in Galilee mm-hmm. and she just shows up at a dinner and she starts washing Jesus's feet with her hair right. and her tears, not with ointment, but with tears. And Simon is indignant and he yells. So there because this is Simon the the leper's house in Bethany, some have made the connection of Simon the leper here with that Simon in Galilee, which they're not the same person, they're not even the same location. Maybe it's maybe he owns two houses and it is the same Simon, but but the location is very really clearly given in both these places that it's not the same place, not the same issues, because you got a woman with tears versus a woman with ointment. Right. But that woman was unclean. so my, Some might say she was a prostitute or doing right. something inappropriate with her life. Okay, the reason why I'm bringing all that up, this this becomes a thing now where all the Marys sort of get smashed together. And Mary Magdalene then becomes a prostitute, which there's nothing in the Bible that says she actually was. So even like when the Chosen deals with her, it's a little more risque than she might have been. She has demons. We, mm-hmm. we know that. The Bible's very clear on that. But that Mary isn't necessarily the same Mary who's sister to Lazarus, and that Mary is in John, the one who does this, and yet in Mark, for some reason, he doesn't mention her name. They just kind of move on, which is interesting to me. Leaving all that aside, if it is Mary, she's got a tremendous reason to anoint someone's feet. Right. Because right. we think that this is shortly after, potentially, Lazarus is raising from the dead, which yeah. is awesome. So that's cool. But again, you still go, is it really worth that? Right? Is it is it worth all that? And the, the answer is, I don't know. That's for them to decide. But Jesus then says, "No, no, no. you're scolding the per- the wrong person. You're doing this wrong. She's done a beautiful thing," which then, as you pointed out masterfully in the sermon, what God tells us to do, we do, whether it makes sense or not.
1: Right, right. And and in all three of the cases that we're talking about, the the woman at the temple, um, and both of these Marys, yep. what's what's we sometimes lose sight of is that Jesus can see the heart. Yes. So he didn't push away even the woman who was wiping his feet with her tears and hair because he was seeing who she what really was. Mm-hmm. He you know, could see that the widow wasn't showcasing her gift. He could see in her heart wh- what she was really giving. It was everything. Because otherwise, how would he know? He doesn't know what she's got for a bank account, right? Mm-hmm. He could see that. And then here in this case in Mark, the exact same thing. He knows her heart. She is literally coming to worship and to anoint him. For something that's coming, Mm -hmm. and in every case, he's able to push back on those that are making judgments by what they see, because he's able to perceive at a much deeper level.
0: Yeah, I love it. So, you also made an amazing connection uh, that didn't. We don't have time in the sermon to dig into this as fully. But going back to the the lady dropping the two coins in the temple, you kind of started thinking a little bit about: Is there other places that anointing happens? Is there something else? That maybe we should think about or do. And I think this connection is just potentially mind blowing to people. So,
1: yeah, it actually made me stop preparation it. and go. Wait,
0: what? If you could have seen the skipping he was doing as he walked into my office, he was so excited. He's like, check this out. I'm like, this is really cool. Let's talk about
1: it. Right, because usually when we think about anointing, we're talking about anointing an individual. We can run down the list of David and Saul sure. and individuals. And, uh, and actually, David was anointed twice and everything. But this, this, was, this blew me away. So may I read some scripture? Please. All right. I'm in Exodus 40. Um, it, and honesty time, Right. Sometimes when I'm reading through the Bible in a year and I get to the part of building the temple and the tabernacle, I'm like going, "Ah, more cubits, more of this. I won't anymore. Okay. So.
0: No, 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 no. Don't make a promise you can't. Okay.
1: I probably still will, but I'm going to look harder maybe. (laughs) That's better. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I like that. So Exodus 40, uh, 1 through 11. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, on the first day of the first month, you shall erect the tabernacle of the tent of meeting. And you shall put in it the ark of the testimony, and you shall screen the ark with the veil. And you should bring in the table and arrange it, and you shall bring in the lampstand and set it up on its lamps. And you shall put the golden altar for incense before the ark of the testimony, and set up the screen for the door of the tabernacle. You shall set the altar of burnt offering before the door of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting, and place the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar, and put water in it. And you shall set up the court all around and hang up the screen for the gate of the court. All right. Uh, normally, I'm like going, okay, great. This is like work instructions of how I set up, right? Yeah,
0: I think we lost a bunch of listeners right We there. probably did. Yeah. Hang
1: with me. Check this out. But it's out.
0: so cool what's about to happen. So check it.
1: Then you shall take the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle and all that is in it and consecrate it and its furniture so that it may become holy. You shall also anoint the altar of burnt offering and all its utensils and consecrate the altar. So that the altar may become most holy. I'm like, seriously? (laughs) So now in the shadow of the temple, Jesus is being anointed.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: The the curtain is going to be torn. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: He is being anointed for death. So this whole idea of, you know, the tabernacle being this place where we get to have access to God, you know, this was kind of like the portable temple. You know, at the time we're talking in Mark, there is a temple and Jesus is going to replace all of that. I'm like going, seriously, did I just see this? That the tabernacle was actually appointed or anointed ahead of time as a precursor to what was going to happen with Jesus. And Jesus is actually pointing back, tying this whole thing together. Again, it's
0: like it's a unified story. It is. You're still in the Bible Project's mission statement right there. I like yeah, that. Yeah, I know. It's a unified story that leads to Jesus. And so, yeah, th- let's let's back that up a little bit and th- let's explain it a little f- further on the podcast. So, he, okay, so let me understand you correctly. Jesus is getting anointed by this woman, right? I mean, that's yeah. that's that's the connection you're making. So, so she comes in, she prepares him for burial, which is really anointing, and Jesus upholds her and says, this is a beautiful thing. That's awesome. Yep. So then you start asking the question, okay, when does anointing happen? And like you said, there's very common places in the Bible that happens. You've got people all over the place that are getting anointed, uh, kings typically, prophets elsewhere, you know. Yeah, like I
1: ran down a list of people. We know about the anointings of these folks, right?
0: But then you move to Exodus 40, which trips you a little bit because it's like, wait, why are they anointing these things? Because it's strange, right? Right. You're anointing all these different items and issues for uh, the tabernacle itself. But then the connection goes, wait a second. Jesus is the tabernacle. In fact, John says, and the Lord tabernacled amongst us in John 1. Right. So the idea that, that the tabernacle is the space where God's glory is going to dwell. How else do you understand Jesus as a man than being God's glory dwelling within a human being? Right. Right? So he is the walking tabernacle. He's the walking temple. You don't need those things anymore if he's walking around with you. And then you've got this beautiful thing that we've pointed out before in the the Bible in a year and things that we are now the, the, the whole, you know, we're the temples or the tabernacles of the Holy Spirit. He's dwelling inside of us. So we're holy places. But then you go, wait a second. Jesus is the tabernacle of God walking around and he is anointed by this woman. That is so cool. Yeah, yeah. And I think about, you know, when it says that, you know, when
1: Jesus was back after he was resurrected, he he opened up the scriptures to the eyes. Mm -hmm. Right. So I totally get these guys wouldn't have have picked this up. In fact, I had never picked this up before. And and yet, so all of a sudden I could imagine this connection like going, that's Mm -hmm. right. You kept saying this. We were missing it. And I see how this line goes all the way through. What we were waiting for was that tabernacle that traveled with us that was present and that it's you, Jesus. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: That messed me up. I I love it. And I think it's so fun to think about when you just stop and go, holy cow, look at all these amazing little connections. And just understand, I think sometimes people are thinking, well, yeah, I'm so glad you saw that. These things don't happen all the time. We don't always get these moments. We don't always see these things. It's, Sometimes they're just sprinkled in the text and they're hiding there in plain sight and we don't notice them until, I don't want to say it's too late, but it's way later down the road. So the fact that you were skipping when you walked in today to tell me this, I was like, that's really, really cool. Yeah, I like this is so a lot. Fun. So just stop and think about that for a second. You, and I'm looking at the, the Greek text as you're talking of the Septuagint for Exodus 40 and the, the Mark 14 passage here. Ironically, and I shouldn't say ironically because it's not ironic at all, the wording is very similar in the Greek even what's being described as so anointing these things for the Lord. So you almost wonder if Mark is making a cheeky reference that, you know, people way down the road are going to go, wait a second. Right. This is awesome. So she's preparing him for something amazing. And Jesus is about to, to go to the tomb uh, and it, to his death and then to the tomb. And in the middle of all of that, you've got this beautiful thing of this woman doing this beautiful thing, anointing the tabernacle uh, before he does really the greatest act ever, which is amazing. But then it also raises the question, okay, she's anointing him. And we don't have an answer for this, but there's not a lot of women anointing. In fact, as you mentioned in the sermon, I think this is the only time this happens in the Bible. Mm-hmm. But then on top of that, there's something interesting happening near the end of the book that we're going to get to in a few weeks where the ladies are, are rushing to the tomb with spices and, and, and anointing oils and things, and you're thinking, wait, why is that right?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's so. I started. I fast forward because when you go to Mark 16, it says that the, you know, the the ladies rush to the tomb, and the sense I get is because of when he died, mm-hmm. they had to kind of really rush his burial preparation. So the, in their mind, they're thinking, we need to go take care of this obligation. Now, for a long time, this has also opened up like going. Jesus kept saying, "I'm going to be raised," and that's why there's almost a. You know, it, the the text will tell us why are you looking for him here? He's not here. I think that's kind of like, have you been paying attention? But even the fact that they were then seemingly going to anoint him, I was going. But yet, God had actually anointed him. Jesus' own words is that she's anointing me for my burial. Right. He was planning this ahead of time. It's kind of like he knew it was coming. It was coming, yeah. and they were going to be a little short of time.
0: Yeah. Totally. Pretty amazing. Totally, it's amazing. And so then the question might become, all right, why then is she doing this <clears throat> and why are the ladies doing that? If it's the same thing <clears throat> to which I would say, and well, we will probably touch on this, at least in the sermon when we get to it. But for the podcast listeners here, we, here we go at the beginning of this, there's a vastly different thing from preparing someone for something or anointing someone like she is for burial and actually preparing the body for the true burial. So what would have happened on Friday, and, and you'll see this as we move through the text, but be paying attention to this as you read through the end of Mark, uh, you know, again and again over the next few weeks. In Mark 15, it, it says that the, the Passover is getting near, so they put him in a tomb by Joseph of Arimathea that has not been used yet. If Because the Passover, they couldn't have done the final preparation. And on top of that, you usually let the body sort of sit for a little bit to, you. Know, I, I don't want to think about the body of Jesus decomposing, but the truth is that's what you're doing, right? You're letting it sit for a little while, let the skin kind of get loose, let a few of the things start to run out. If you can imagine all the different fluids and things that are inside the body that are going to empty, uh, you let the body sit there for a little bit and do that. And then once it has gone a couple of days, then you actually go do the burial clothes. There's one more element to this too, that most people don't realize Uh, What's kind of amazing with Lazarus is he's in the tomb for four days. And I I think there's a neat connection for this here because we've got potentially Lazarus's sister doing the anointing. What is very common practice is on the third day, the Jews would go to the tomb and they would call the name twice. So you can imagine Mary and Martha on day three, Lazarus, Lazarus, nothing. If you haven't done the final preparation for the body's burial at that point, Then you go in, you wrap it in the burial clothes, and you put the body away, and you close the tomb. Generally, on the third day, you know how bad the body smells. So if you were to move back to, I would love for you all to go back and read John 11 now with some of these details and try to connect John 11 with this passage here in Mark 14, and you'll start to see some connections there as well. But they would have yelled his name twice, Lazarus, Lazarus. He didn't come out. They would have wrapped the body, put it away, closed the tomb. When Jesus shows up, they're like, surely you could have raised him. Yes, but this is done for different reasons. Jesus then yells the name Lazarus. They roll the stone away. And they they say, it smells. He smells really, really bad. And they roll the stone away. And Lazarus actually gets up and walks out. But he's a day past when they would call the name. And they would call the name after three days just in case the person wasn't actually dead. Right? So I almost imagine them wanting to go to the tomb and say, Jesus, Jesus, just to make sure he's dead and do the final prep but the story is going to end differently than Lazarus' story (laughs) quite considerably. Could you imagine
1: just the fact that somebody answered them? Wait,
0: what? (laughs) Totally. (laughs) So look forward to that on the end of the book. But that's the reason why. There's there's actually multiple anointings that would have to happen. And and I wouldn't even put the second one as an anointing. It's just you're preparing the spices for the body. So they would have wrapped the body in various salts and other types of things. Basically, they're not really to preserve the body, but it's to give the body – the final decomposition needs to happen before you put the body in an ossuary. Um, and Jesus wouldn't have been ready for that for a few more days. And so that's kind of what's happening. Okay, start putting all those stories together. I think you're going to find some really magical little things here in Mark chapter 14, verses 3 through 11.
1: Yeah, and it's actually all, all this is coming out in just like four verses, yeah. the connections. And even to your point, you know, I think you know, because these were written later, I think when Jesus opens this up, I'm guessing this is when it gets put in the book, like, hey, here's the, here are all these connections. And we're reading it um, you know, here, and we don't have all of the rich Jewishness of history that we've been taught forever and ever. So these are like eye-opening things. I could imagine someone going, well, of course he's the tabernacle. And I would have gone, sorry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we're all excited for something that we find in the first century church is preaching this as a sermon every Sunday
1: and they're like going, duh. <laughs> That's
0: great, I love it.